the local church podcast, a podcast devoted to loving God, loving people, and making disciples. We'll be your hosts. I'm Pastor Ryan. And I'm Noah Gartland. What's wrong with you people? Psalm 17, a prayer of David. Hear a just cause, O Lord. Attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer from lips free of deceit. From your presence, let my vindication come. Let your eyes behold the right. You have tried my heart. You have visited me by night. You have tested me and you will find nothing. I have purposed that my mouth will not transgress. With regard to the works of man, by the word of your lips, I have avoided the ways of the violent. My steps have held fast to your paths. My feet have not slipped. I call upon you, for you will answer me, O God. Incline your ear to me. Hear my words. Wondrously show your steadfast love, O Savior of those who seek refuge, from their adversaries at your right hand. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. From the wicked who do me violence, my deadly enemies who surround me, they close their hearts to pity. With their mouths they speak arrogantly. They have now surrounded our steps. They set their eyes to cast us to the ground. He is like a lion eager to tear, as a young lion lurking in ambush. Arise, O Lord, confront him. Subdue him. Deliver my soul from the wicked by your sword, from men by your hand, O Lord, from men of the world whose portion is in this life. You fill their womb with treasure. They are satisfied with children, and they leave their abundance to their infants. As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. What up, Noah? Hey, I'm back. Hey, you're back. It's I'm been a back. while. It has. It's been like, what, I, uh, three or four weeks, something like that? I don't know. I'm cracking an L8 for you, though, on this one. Uh, oh, that was good. That hey, was really so, satisfying. <laughs> we are walking through Psalms and Psalm 17. Yep. This is a personal prayer, right? This is David praying to God about something going on in his life. Can you ever, could the reader figure it out? What's going on? Um, I mean, you can do some like detective work and read through like first and second Samuel, but like you can't exactly pinpoint where David is in his life. Yeah, there's uh, I guess there are folks outside of his area, if outside of his family, I guess, that are um accusing him or being unjust toward him. And instead of clapping back or mm. cancel culture, what does he do? He, he prays to God. He, he, he goes to God. God is the one who brings vengeance, right? God is the one who does, you know, what God does. Uh, we are not the ones who should be, you know, taking. Uh, 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 we, we're not the Avengers, Noah. Wait, what? We, we don't take things like this into our own hands. We, we go to God. I don't know. You look no. a lot like Robert Downey Jr. What? <laughs> I don't know. No. <laughs> if he ate like a lot of pizza, maybe. <laughs> No, so this is a personal psalm of David, right? We've all been in this moment where we felt like we've been wronged by someone. 
Um, and I really like verse eight. Verse eight stuck out to me. Um, you may have a different verse. He says, keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Yeah. Right. The apple of, of, of your eye or the apple of my eye. It's referring to like a son or a daughter, right? Someone who is, there's a father figure and a, and a child figure. Uh, the one of the commentaries said, go back to Proverbs seven, two, where it says, keep my commandments and live, keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Right. And so it's David is, is longing or yearning to God saying, keep me as yours. Yeah. Right. And then he says, hide me in the shadow wings. Like he doesn't say, Hey, give me the strength to go beat somebody up. He says, hide me in the shadow of your wings. Mm-hmm. Um, this is totally countercultural for, for throughout all history. Right. All nations, all people everywhere want to take vengeance and, you know, rule over others. And David is going totally opposite. David's a king mm. and he has armies and he can do whatever he wants to do uh, as a man after God's own heart. And he says, keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wing. Yeah. It's a big I, moment. I really like kind of the conclusion of this psalm. Um, David points to the evildoers, the wicked. Um, yeah. these people who are pursuing him, right. Who are accusing him. And he says, uh, their portion is in this life. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. Like their reward is in this life. And then he says, and they have children. And after they die, their reward, which is in this life is given to their children. And the last verse, um, kind of shows the contrast between the evildoer and David. Um, he says, as for me, this is my portion. I shall behold your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied with your likeness. Um, so David's portion is the Lord. That's what he is satisfied in. That's where he finds his refuge. Yeah. In Psalm 16, when I was lonely by myself, uh, last podcast, he says, verse five, the Lord is my chosen portion mm. and my cup. You hold my lot, right? He understands the, he, he has the right perspective on life, right? He, he understands who uh, is where life comes from, who holds the days of his life. But he also says, as a king, he says, my portion is the Lord, not the things that I have, not the things, you know, around me, things like that. Yeah. It reminds me of these kind of modern hymns, uh, like all I have is Christ from sovereign grace yeah, yeah. or, um, what is it? My worth is not in what I own by the Gettys. That's a good one. Um, the things that people value in this world, right? Success, wealth, uh, fame, fortune, all of this stuff meaningless to me. As Paul says, I count it all lost for the sake of knowing Christ. Um, I'm satisfied in the Lord. I don't yeah. need success. I don't need fame. I don't need fortune. I don't need people to like me. <laughs> all I need is Christ. Yeah. All I have is Christ. Amen. It's good. Uh, so there's, there's a lot to talk about today. Uh, you've got the agenda in front of you. There's a whole lot on here that could be, uh, I guess seen as controversial, but really shouldn't be in, in the Christian conversation. It shouldn't be. Um, it's not. So the, the, I mean, the big one that everybody knows, uh, in the news right now, the Supreme court of the United States is, I guess, is it deliberating or they're kind of researching or forming their opinion about Roe versus Wade and the entire world is blowing up, right? They're like, oh, no, you can't stop abortion. It's just going to happen in back alleys or it's just going to go crazy. You're, and there's all kinds of arguments from a lot of different mm-hmm. viewpoints. You, you, before we go into it deep, you got 
You got, I see the wheels turning. Yeah. Something's happening. So I've noticed kind of recently on social media, there have been three main arguments. Um, and you have just mentioned one of them. Mm-hmm. I kind of wrote these down in the notes app on my phone. Um, just cause I was thinking about them and how terrible they are. Yeah. Um, arguments in favor yeah. of abortion in favor of Roe v. Wade. Um, one of those is, Hey, if you outlaw abortion, you're just outlawing safe abortion. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Abortions are going to happen. <laughs> if you make them illegal medically, then they're going to happen, you know, whatever. Yeah. In back alleys. Here's the thing. And this is all I'm going to say about that argument. There's no such thing as a safe abortion. Yeah. Is if we're just, let's just jump into it. Abortion is demonic. Yeah. Right. Or we just start with, we had to start with there. Um, there's no dancing around it. Uh, abortion is wrong. It's evil. It's, it's the worst of the worst, right? Uh, it's when you murder a helpless, innocent being person, um, it's demonic. It's evil. Uh, yeah. we, we see, we see cultures of the past, you know, sacrifice infants, um, for the sake of gods, uh, little G, you know, uh, plural, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's a demonic practice and it has no place in today's society. So that's one of the arguments is like, if you, if you make it illegal, it's just still going to happen, but now unsafe. It's, that's a bad argument, right? Yeah. I was, what, what, I, what's you got any more? I, know I, you said I mean, you had a couple more. Yeah. I was reading an article about kind of that argument. Um, there's no such thing as a safe abortion for the child. Yeah. Right. And a hundred percent of abortions, the child is murdered, yeah. um, but it's also not safe for the mother who's yeah. carrying the child. Um, it causes all sorts of physical problems, mental problems, emotional problems. It's not safe. Yeah. Um, second argument. Okay. Let's see if I can remember these. Um, this one is worded differently depending on who's saying it and who it's directed towards. Yeah. Um, one way I've heard it put is keep your rosaries off our ovaries or like keep your religion out of our laws. Keep your religion to yourself. Yeah. Um, actually an old friend of mine put on their Instagram story. I don't care what some old book has to say about abortion. Yeah. I do not care. Yeah. Um, so, so that's kind of you another, can, the, yeah, let's go into that argument. Um, first we have to recognize that what abortion is, right? It is, it is seen as a convenient option for an inconvenient moment in a, in a female's life or yeah. in, a, in a mother's life. Um, now that in and of itself has arguments in itself because now there's persons that can give birth. Well, biologically we're saying females, mothers give birth. Um, and so if it's, if it is only a religious idea that murder is wrong, then that, destroys the argument for any moral high ground for any topic besides abortion. Mm-hmm. Right. If, if my only moral standard is found in scripture, then there is no right or wrong, right? There is no moral high ground for anyone, especially the person that says, well, my body, my choice. Right. So that's, that's the other thing you have to look at COVID. You don't have to go very far in our history to look at COVID now. Well, was it your choice to wear a mask? No. Right. Yeah. Was it your choice to get vaccinated? And certain workplaces, well, no, you had to unless you unless you lost your job, right? So, I mean, these arguments break down. But if it's if it's keep your religion out of out of our laws, I think it's what you said, or uh, 
whatever's found in an old book, you know, has no what. Well, I'm not sure what you said. It has no authority, or yeah, I don't care what you a know. A book says. A book says your religious yeah. text. Um, it shouldn't have any yeah precedence over me and my choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think um this argument too is just rooted in this cultural movement towards um a, like a subjective view of truth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You keep your truth to yourself. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. Yeah. It's just, excuse my language. It's just dumb. Yeah. It's dumb. <laughs> it's stupid. Yeah. Like, because there is no truth at that point. Right. It's just, we're all just, <laughs> we're, yeah. we're all making it up as we go. Right. If That's all kinda... truth is subjective. There is no truth. Yeah. And so there's no, there's no point in your argument. There's no point in my argument. Let's just do whatever we want to. Yeah. It's, it's dumb. But in that kind of a society, murder is okay. Yeah. I mean, if you get down to the bottom of it, right? Uh, where we're saying that uh, definitions matter, words matter, right? So in, in textbooks today, even when I was a kid, you know, textbooks say it's, they don't refer to the term as child. It's like fetus. Yeah. Organism. Cells, right? That dumbs it, not dumbs it down, but it, it dulls it down to where you don't have a personal connection with it. Um, but if we boil it down to this is life, right? At conception, life starts, right? The, what you call cells is a life forming in the mother's womb. Psalm 139. You saw me in my mother's room, like in the secret place. You saw me, you knew me before I was even born, right? Mm. God knows the individual before they're even born. And so if you boil it down and you say it is murder, right? Yeah. It's you're killing another person. Um, but we don't go there, right? Society doesn't go there. Culture doesn't go there because that would be, you know, crazy. <laughs> I mean, that would, that would, that would destroy all arguments uh, yeah. if, if you look at it that way, but we don't see it that way. Our culture has said, well, mothers go through this inconvenience of having a baby that ruins their career. It ruins who they want to be, all that kind of thing. Well, there's a, there's a, there's a stop. There's an easy way to stop that, right? Yeah. <laughs> don't put yourself in the situation where you're going to have a baby. Now, with that said, there are extreme circumstances of incest, rape. of rape, yeah. right, of horrible atrocities. Just because evil occurs in someone's life doesn't mean we choose evil to fix evil. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. It makes it worse. Uh, there are hundreds, thousands of articles and blog posts and even news, uh, you know, reels about women who've had abortions who look back now and say, it was the worst moment, right? Or the worst decision in my life to do this or go down that route. It has huge repercussion repercussions on uh, the lady that does it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's evil doesn't fix evil. Yeah. And I'm not going to count this as its own argument because it's kind of a sub argument. Um, but kind of this whole like um, disability. Um, like, how do I put this? What if the child yeah. in the womb, yeah. if the fetus is going to be born with um, autism yeah. or Down syndrome, <clears throat> yeah. right? And that's the thing. I mean, we've gotten so far advanced in our medical, you know, faculties that we can see those things early on in the womb. And a lot of parents say, we don't want to deal with that. We don't want to go through that, right? Yeah. Again, you don't fix something that is seems broken in our eyes with evil, right? Um God, in his sovereignty, has plans and purposes far beyond anything that we can think of, right? Um, 
I'll stop there, but they're, we can I mean, go further. And they're also created in the image of God. Yeah, I mean, right? they all have honor. They're, all people have honor and dignity. Yeah, um, so. absolutely. Here's another sub-argument of this one yep. that I'll mention. Um, is this kind of nihilistic argument of this world is sick. It's disgusting. It's yeah. awful. Human beings are the worst. I don't want to bring another child into this world so that they have to suffer. Yeah, I would, I would say there's... <laughs> There's a way not to bring another child in, right? Now, we don't talk about this in Christian circles ever. Um, we we used to teach it in schools, abstinence, mm. uh, right? Uh, but even if you decide to go down that road, which is not good, it's not, it's, it's not going to lead to good things in your life, right? Especially before marriage, right? We hold to uh, a, a, a marriage first and then the family comes, uh, but in today's society, we would be silly to say sin doesn't happen, right? Or bad decisions don't happen, but they do. But even then, you can still protect yourself. You can still protect, you know, the the your loved one or individual that you're choosing to go down this road with. But it, you don't have to look very far to say how do babies happen, <laughs> right? Uh, it's 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 because of an action or because of a decision someone makes. And then to say, well, this is an inconvenience. Yeah. Well, then you obviously didn't count your, you know, you didn't, you didn't think ahead, right? Don't put that on society. Say, well, the government needs to have a law now that says that I can kill an innocent child, right? That's, that sounds more, it's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> like you said earlier, like, like, I know that's a bad argument. You can't say, well, that's dumb. That's not a good argument either. But to say that now it's this inconvenience in my life will hold me back on every other thing. There are tons of stories in families that say, we chose this, we're going to live with this, and we're going to work through this, right? Uh, it's just, abortion is is not the answer. Yeah. I, I just, yeah. I'll and stop there. But. I, I mean, just to wrap up this, this kind of section that we've talked about with these um, sub-arguments, I honestly just think it's sickening to say or to believe that you're doing a child a favor by aborting them. Yeah. Like that is just detestable on all accounts. So just to recap, I did say there were three major arguments. The yep. first um, being this whole um, unsafe abortion argument. The second being the subjective truth argument. I'll mention one more yep. major argument. Um, and that is in this one also is put different ways. Men shouldn't be making laws about women or kind of this oppression argument. Right. Um, the only reason that you are pro-life is because you're a man and you love oppressing women and outlawing abortion is just another way for you to oppress women. Yeah, that's, that's an angle, right? Uh, I've recently posted, I guess a couple weeks ago about ending abortion that, you know, even the, the, the child, the boy or girl inside the womb is created in the image of God. Uh, and there's dignity and honor in that and in their relationship to the creator. And then I was called, um, I was called a fake Christian. Um, something the same, same along the lines that you said that, Oh gee, another fake Christian man, you know, who loves oppressing women. Yeah. Another, yeah something like that. And if you know me, I, I don't oppress women and hopefully people know that I'm not fake. Um, in my beliefs, but the idea that men shouldn't be 
making laws about women, it it goes back to, well, most recently COVID, right? Men made laws about COVID, what you could or could not do. And we accepted that. Now, there's a large part of our uh, country that didn't accept that, right? Even around the world, people didn't, you know, we're still free to make our own choices, but we're not <laughs> in a sense, in, 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 a, in, in, in that way. We're not free to murder. Mm-hmm. Regardless if you say it's, you know, men making laws about women's bodies or women's choices, take gender out of it. I mean, we, we don't like to argue gender in the LGBTQ era. So why are you bringing that up now? I mean, it's murder is murder, regardless of, of yeah. how old the person is. Um, I think that's that's debunked in and of itself for, yeah. for me. I mean, it's, just yeah. dumb, it's not a good argument. And I think if people want to make the oppression argument, right, that um, outlawing abortion, making abortion harder to access is oppressive to women. I, I think if they want to make that argument, our response is should be to point to the 63 million children who have been murdered since uh, Roe v. Wade, uh, that decision in 1973. 63 million babies have been murdered yeah. since 1973. That's oppression. It's horrible. Like you are killing unborn children who don't have a voice. That's oppression. Yeah. So I, mean, I, I think if someone wants to make the oppression argument, um, it, it doesn't take much to kind of point to the real uh, deeper issue at hand. Yeah. Think about, I mean, and we, the argument often goes back to, well, Christians don't care about, you know, women or women's rights or things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to say there are, there, that's the furthest thing from the truth, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you look at, well, well, Planned, Planned Parenthood cares for women. They, they they have resources and do all these things for women. If you look at the history of Planned Parenthood and the the female who started it, it was started in minority communities and it killed more minority infants, right, um, than anything else <laughs> that, we, that we know of, right? Um, but then you can also look at the Christian communities or faith-based communities uh, resources out there that help families that help uh, mothers go through this situation to offer insurance, to offer food, to offer, you know, housing, to offer um, even the, the foster system, things like that. Um, and then you'll say, well, Oh, why would you put a baby in a foster system? Um, I did some research. There are millions of families in line waiting to adopt uh uh, an infant that is through a resource center, a pregnancy resource center. Um, and it's not, it's not, they don't go directly into the state's foster system. They go directly to uh, adoption, but there are children who are in foster care systems. And then they, the argument often goes to, well, why don't Christians adopt, you know, all the kids that are in foster care? Well, there's not enough families because there's so many uh, things. Like that, that's kind of the argument, but there are tons of Christian families. There's a percentage Two percent of the population adopt. Five percent Christian uh, parents or uh, families of that same population adopt. And so we Christians double the average of the normal population of who's adopting and who's foster caring, things like that. Um, there, there's a. I know you're looking something up. There's a resource center here in Shelbyville, uh, the ALC Pregnancy Resource Center. 
um, that has a lot of things for mothers uh, and families going through this. I want to kind of give some things. You and I are going to go on a tour tomorrow of the ALC uh, Pregnancy Center yeah. or Pregnancy Resource Center. The The really cool thing I found out about this this one is it is totally private, private, uh, privately funded. Yeah, it doesn't take any government grants or things like that. It's all faith based uh, donations uh, and support. They do tons of resources. They do Bible studies. They do baby bottle campaigns. I mean, they do all kinds of things. October the seventeenth, uh, the annual gala for life. Uh, they're hosting Tim Tebow is wow. coming to speak uh, for this uh, the ALC Pregnancy Resource Center, and then every other Tuesday they do Spanish Bible studies. Uh, for the Hispanic community, uh, for ladies and mothers that are going through pregnancy that have chosen to walk the path of giving birth. Um, and so it's a beautiful thing. And there's lots of ways to get involved. But to say that the Christian community isn't doing enough, uh, I don't want to do the, we're doing more than you, but there, there there's lots of resources and lots of Christian uh, families that are doing what they can uh, to support and not just arguing, right? Uh, the the ones that aren't online, you know, arguing back and forth. So it's it's a big topic. It's a tough topic to talk about. Yeah, you got something else. Um, but there, the ALC. I want to say. So how do how do you support, right? If you're listening to this, how do you support? You know, the local pregnancy center. They have a lot of things. You yeah. Can, um, you can donate baby items from new birth to five T is what they kind of ask for. Uh, they say you can give bottles, but they have to be new bottles. So you got to buy the bottles and bring them new. Uh, to that, you can volunteer. They have hospi- hospitality. Uh, you can provide meals or do special events or even offer classes like your church can do that. Uh, they're, they're seeking professional services where they office, legal, medical, fundraising, marketing, design, things like that. Wow. Uh, they say facilities. They need help with maintenance or organization type things, uh, intake and sorting of, of, of things. And then they also have client services where they do peer counseling, uh, facilitator, translator, child care, and they even do men's support at ALC. Wow. There's two locations, Shelbyville and Shepherdsville. We're going to check it out to see how we can get involved as a church, how we can push our families to help. And this is a big this is a big thing. And so one of the, one of the arguments you've mentioned three and I we'll, we'll kind of end with this one. There's there's one major argument that stopping Roe versus Wade is like is 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 the most horrible thing that we could ever do. And what's happening at the Supreme court level is they're going to, if they overturn it, it will be pushed down to the States. Then the States will have to decide what they do as individual States and abortion, right? It doesn't cancel it. So all the, the, all the hoopla and all the threats about all these, you know, riots and things like that. It's not ending abortion. It just ends the federal law of making it legal It'll be pushed down to the states, and so there's lots of more, lots more to go. I hope and pray that you're praying with us that abortion is ended in this country. It's time to end abortion in this country. Sixty-three million, it's too many. Yeah, um, it's it's horrible. I once heard uh, someone pray that our nation would one day look back on abortion like we look back on slavery now. Wow! Like yeah, and insane evil that think about the countries that we're named with as far as abortion laws yeah china hmm. north korea 
we're wow. named with those countries and the atrocities they do. Um, it's, it's not good. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not good. It's evil. Um, it's, it's evil to turn your back on, on, on not just the children that are being killed, but even, even the mothers going through it. Right. So here's, here's the, here's the challenge to churches. The church should not be a place that turns its back on females that have had abortions or who are either pregnant out of wedlock, things like that. We should be open armed to, to folks that are going through these things. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the big thing. The churches often get a black eye when it comes to supporting individuals going through addiction, uh, things like this, uh, being, uh, you know, hitched uh, out of wedlock, right? That kind of thing. Uh, shacked up right uh we, we look at people negatively but the church should be the ones with the open arms the widest uh supporting supporting those putting them back to jesus any Absolutely. other things any other things of that i think that does it that's a lot that's heavy i think that's the heaviest we've been on this podcast but to let let's lighten it up a little bit what is your favorite pirates of the caribbean quote do you have a did you have one are you serious right now? Yeah, it could be. It could be from uh, Jack Sparrow. It could be from any character in the Pirates of the Caribbean. What's your favorite Pirates of the Caribbean quote that you could be like? I want to be known for this quote. This is my quote that I really enjoy in this movie. Do you want me to be honest? Yeah, I haven't seen a single Pirates of the no, Caribbean you, movie. What? Noah, I have not. You you have how let many, us down. You've let many, me down. You've let all the listeners down. How many are there? I think there's five. I want to say there's five. That's too many. I haven't Bro, s- like, have not seen a single one. I like the guy with like the uh, the tentacle beard. What's his face? <laughs> I think it's he, Davy Jones. I think he's pretty funny looking. But yeah, uh, yeah I I don't know. I, I haven't seen. That's a- sad. Any we of have them. to. We have to. I'm, dude. Nobody in the crowd likes you right now. They're all booing you. Is that a boo? It's a riot. Yeah, it's a booing oh. <laughs> riot, I guess. Um, it's better than the awkward, you know, weird thing. But, dude, you have not seen any Pirates. You've seen commercials. You've seen bits of Jack Sparrow, Captain, Johnny Depp's character. Yeah, and I've seen all the, like, TikToks and stuff about the Jack Sparrow run. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking <laughs> He's about? got a funny run. Yeah. I've seen that. That's funny. I But, no, I wow. haven't seen. Now, you've seen every Shrek as an adult, and oh. you still enjoy him, but you've not seen any... Pirates of the Caribbean. We should do some fun uh, podcast episodes where we just debate random things like Shrek versus Pirates of the Caribbean. Ooh, I don't, that's better, not a really good argument. What's I mean, the better franchise? Well, Pirates of the Caribbean, it went further. Shrek only went to what? Three? Four. What's the fourth one? And there's a musical based on it. There, Whatever. But what's the fourth Shrek? Shrek Forever After? Wait, there's Shrek. Shrek 2. Shrek the Third. I thought they had a title too. It didn't have a title. I think it's just Shrek the Third. Which is the one where the fairy godmother tries to like beat everybody up? Is that the third one? No, that is the second one. Oh, which is the best one? <laughs> Yikes! No, this is not good. We've just ruined the entire podcast with this just this little segment um, debating Shrek or Pirates of the Caribbean. Hey, here's a some trivia. As you know, I work in a in a coffee shop and we have like a trivia board that we put random trivia on every day. Yeah. Here was the trivia question from yesterday. Are okay. you ready? Yeah. What are the names of Shrek and Fiona's children? So 
we, my family went into, to your establishment and my wife got one of them, I think. And I totally wasn't even paying attention. Fergus. Fergus. That's, I think it's Fiona. No, that's the wife. Well, I thought there'd be like, like a daughter. No. Uh, Fergus. There is a daughter. Fergus. I have no idea. Uh, Farkle. Farkle. That's not even a name, but, and I think the last one is, uh, Oh gosh, I'm going to get it wrong. This is the girl. Is it Felicia? I have no idea. I don't watch these. Eh, it's not like that. You don't watch Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't watch Shrek. I did watch the first Shrek no, and the second Shrek. They're pretty good. I, I haven't watched Pirates of the Caribbean, but I have seen some of the clips from the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. Yes. Whoa. Yeah. Good segue. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. So the trial, apparently Johnny Depp is suing Amber Heard for defamation of character saying she was saying that he assaulted her i guess sexual assault and physical abuse to her but it's in verbal emotional but i guess it's as as i've seen clips it seems to me i haven't watched it but it seems to me like all the witnesses are now saying it's amber heard the one that was doing the physical the mental all the abuse towards johnny depp now both have issues right both have done some stupid things in their life or, or through through throughout whatever, but it seems like she is the one who was committing most of the atrocities in the relationship. I don't have a, I, I don't have a dog in this fight. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not team much. Depp or team Herd, but I do like watching the videos of like I his mean, reactions. The, the, yes, <laughs> yeah. his reactions to the lawyers, especially Amber Heard's lawyer, um, who apparently I did I saw this. I don't know if this was photoshopped or not. But apparently Amber Heard's lawyer is like a super big Johnny Depp fan. And there are <laughs> pictures of him like walking down the road and like her in a crowd of fans reaching out to like touch him. It's crazy. But and she's one of them. The yeah, lawyer. Did you see the I think it was Johnny Depp's lawyer. Asked a question of a someone who was like, you know. I don't know, being interviewed. Um, I don't know what it's called on the stand. He was on the stand. Yeah. Johnny Depp's lawyer asked a question and then objected to his own question. Did you see that? <laughs> no. He asked a question. The guy started answering and he goes, uh, objection to and his own, <laughs> to his own question. And the judge nice. goes, it was your own question. Johnny Depp just like dies laughing. Um, another one of those funny moments is Johnny Depp was being uh, asked questions on the stand and someone asked him something about, I don't know, some specific event and said, and then you poured yourself a mega pint of wine. Is that correct? And Johnny Depp goes, what's a mega pint? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, it's just, it's crazy. It's, it is crazy. It's so, I mean, I think the trial itself, like the things we see on TV, um, even reality shows, it's almost like we get hooked into it or we like it because it's like gossip. It's like, you know, it's, it's like, oh man, look how bad they are. Did you hear to, what so and so yeah. did? So and and yeah. it's that's what makes it that's what makes it appealing. Um, I want to go a different route with it though, though. Oh, though, though, I said though, though. though, though. I want to go a different route though, though. It's high. It's 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 uber important to make sure when you're choosing a spouse to choose the right one. <laughs> uh, in in cases like this, now they have crazy money they have crazy lifestyles that we don't even i mean i don't even know all the things that that they've done or you know things like that but yeah 
but just for the average human being, the the normal person, male, female out there, when you're choosing a spouse, it is highly, highly, highly important that you a know who you're marrying, but but b that you're marrying one who loves Jesus, that that who wants to do uh, morally good, and yeah. not and not just not just getting married just because it feels good, right? That kind of thing. I want to look at Proverbs 31. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Now, we can go on, but if you're a male out there and you're single, choose a wife, choose a spouse, find a spouse that loves Jesus, that loves the Lord, uh, that will do you no harm. Right. Um, that's, I think it's, it's, it's really important, especially in this situation, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, we see what sin looks like. We see what lives that are apart from Christ look like. It's just, it's not healthy in either way. Yeah. So, I mean, it's all I got. I don't have much to say about Depp or Heard, the trial, but it's all over the news. So yeah, we had to mention it. Absolutely. Hey, Pastor Ryan. Hey. So, Lately on the podcast, um, we have been going through the nine marks of a healthy church, correct? Yes. And we have gone through all nine marks, correct? We have. Yeah. So just wondering, <laughs> what's next? I mean, we've already, in, in today's episode, we've gone through kind of current events. Yeah. Um, kind of some of the headlines. Um, what do you have for us? Yeah, so I recently found an article. I think they just posted it today, actually. Uh, founders.org or Founders Ministries. Ooh, it's I founders, love founders. Founders.org. This particular article is by Tom Askell, who I believe is a pastor. He's also up for the SBC president. Mm. Presidency, I guess. He's been nominated. I think he's accepted the nomination. Now, I don't get into the whole who you're going to vote for for SBC president. I really don't. I don't care. <laughs> Wow, um, you don't care? Uh, I, I I really don't, um, because because Jesus is king. Because two things: one, God is the one who places authority over. Now, as Southern Baptists, we do have a a, a a responsibility to make sure we vote for folks that will you know lead us towards Christ, things like that. I believe Vody Bakum's been nominated. I don't know that he can do it because he doesn't live in the United States currently. He's in Africa uh, with his seminary or his college there. Yeah, uh, I know. There's a, a pastor, I think the last name is Barber, who's been nominated, mm-hmm. who seems to be really humble, things like that. I don't have a dog in the fight either. Just pray. I nominate <laughs> Pastor Ryan. No, I will never be in that <laughs> circle. Uh, but pray for pray for the leadership. Uh, but they put a, he put an article, founders.org. It's five benefits of regular family worship. And I'd like to walk through or at least read the five and talk about them today. Uh, but I say, I think in the future, well, let's kind of look at more towards what families can do to grow together in Christ uh, as we move through this podcast. But number one, uh, here we go. He, he ends with uh, uh, an introduction paragraph and he says, regular family worship is valuable and brings many blessings to parents and children alike. Here are the five benefits that I have observed. Number one, are you ready to talk? Noah Garland. Sure thing. Number one, regularly having planned times of reading the Bible, singing and praying together as a family helps establish a healthy spirituality in the home. Mm. So thoughts. 
I agree. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's all we can do is agree or disagree. But we, I, I agree. So regularly having planned times of reading the Bible, singing and praying uh, together. Now, my family, we we're currently reading through Little Pilgrim's Progress, ah, which points to biblically based conversations, things like that that we can point to. Um, we have sang in the past. We don't sing regularly. Uh, we don't do like, hey, let's get the guitar out and you know just sing worship. We don't do that. Um, we have done, you know, moments of that. We don't plan that. So I guess that's something we could probably look at. It's kind of awkward if you don't do it right on a regular basis or you don't grow up doing it. It's kind of awkward a little bit, but there is a uh, importance of worshiping together. We do pray together. I would uh, say it's important fa- for families to read God's word together, but also to respond. Um, I believe singing is one way to respond to God's word, right? Uh, there's this saying that, what is it? Theology unto doxology. Yeah. So uh, proper um, theology leads to doxology. Yeah. Right. So um, families ought to respond to God's word. Singing's one way to do that. But as long as there is a response, I'd say you're you're good. Yeah. I I think the Deuteronomy six come to mind, right? You know the commandments of the Lord. Teach them as you're coming and going. Yep. You're rising and falling or falling sleeping. <laughs> that that kind of thing. Put them on your forehead and you're. I think having regular conversations about Jesus is good in the home. Don't just try to force it, but just make it a part of your your family thing. Yeah. Now, is my family perfect at it? Nope. Do we miss Do we miss nights? Yes. So that's number one. Number two, family worship is a great way for parents to evangelize and disciple their children. Absolutely. Um, what is the proverb? Raise up your child in the way that they should go, um, and they will follow. Is that it's they will not depart. They will not way, depart yeah. from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I think it's important for Christian parents to realize that just because their child is being born into a Christian home doesn't make them automatically um, saved or born again or Christian, right? Um, your child, just like anyone else, is only saved through Jesus Christ, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not who your parents are or anything like that. Um, so... For this reason, it is so important for parents uh, to evangelize to their children, to share the gospel with their children, to model what uh, gospel-centered life looks like. Um, That's how you lead your child. That's how you raise up your child. Um, There is no 100% foolproof plan to make your child a Christian, right? That doesn't exist. Um, The Bible doesn't have a plan. Uh, or how to ensure the salvation of your child, but um, it's. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna talk to you about that. That's one. a lot. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. uh, I think the Bible does have a plan. It gives you an outline, right? I know, but it's not like yeah. what I'm saying is salvation is not up to us, yeah, right? Yeah. God is the one who saves. I, I think on, number two. I think what I think what he's trying to say is like we 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 you and I have talked about this. Who disciples our children? Well, right. Do we drop our kids off at youth group or yep, that's what I was children's say. ministry and say, Hey, youth pastor, Hey, children's minister, you know, do your thing. Um, if, if parents don't evangelize, if parents don't teach their children what the word of God says, or to show them what worship looks like, or how to, how to be a part of a local church, right? If parents aren't doing that, um, their friends are going to be evangelizing them in the ways of whatever, you know, fill in the blank. Yeah. You know? Right so, on. Yeah. I think that that's, that was loud. <laughs> it it number, was. Wasn't number it? three, 
Children can learn to worship corporately with other believers by consistently worshiping the Lord in their homes. So he's really going on this worship thing, right? So number one was that have regularly planned times of reading the Bible, singing and praying, right? Worship. Number two was family worship is a great way to evangelize and disciple. Number three, children can learn to worship corporately with other believers by consistently worshiping the Lord in their homes. Yeah. So um, Jared Kennedy, um, he's a children's ministry guy, just wrote a book on children's ministry and published it through Crossway. Um, I'd highly recommend him for all children's ministry stuff. He has a kid's book, um, like one of those board books for pre-K kind of age children, toddlers. um, And it's called Our Home is Like a Little Church or something along those lines. And it's talking about how uh, God's design for the family points to the local church. Yeah. Right. Um, The way our family operates uh, is a picture of of how the church operates. Ooh, let me ask you this. Along with this, does family worship take precedent over corporate worship? Sheesh. So are you saying, can a family be like, we worship can we at do home church so at we home. don't need to? Yeah. No. Can, can I just do church at home no. and, I, and call it good? No. I, I would say it's so important for parents to disciple their children, um, to worship with their children, to lead their children in that way. Um, but parents need to be led as well. Number four. Regular family worship provides parents natural opportunities to encourage their children to talk about their inner spiritual lives. Wow, yeah. So I guess I guess he's saying that when you do a regular family worship through Bible study, through prayer, through singing, you know, praising, that you'll open up that conversation line with your children about inner spiritual questions or thoughts or even doubts, you know, that they may be going through. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Any any comments to that one? Uh, read the next one and then I'll comment. Yeah, number five, <laughs> uh, regular family worship provides an opportunity to testify to the truth and power of the gospel to guests in your home. Wow. Yeah, okay. I actually do have something to say about this. Okay. Um, Ariana and I, Ariana, for the listener, is my fiance, uh, recently uh, sat down uh, and ate dinner at the home of a, some friends of ours, right? They're a married couple. They've been married for about six months. Um, really great um, Christian couple. Uh, we sat down and had dinner with them. Um, we were surprised when the husband, before eating dinner... Tell me he broke out his guitar. No, he did oh. not, <laughs> um, <Okay>. sadly. <laughs> he pulled out his Bible. Nice. And he said, hey, um, before we pray... I just wanted to read a passage that's been on my heart lately. It's been really encouraging for me. And he just read the Bible out loud. Yeah. Um, he wasn't preaching. He wasn't really teaching that much. He was just reading the word of God. Um, that was really encouraging for me, for Ariana as guest in that home. Um, and they made it clear that's something that they regularly do. Yeah. That wasn't just like a let's show off for our guest sort of thing. Um, they let us in on a daily practice, a daily ritual of uh, reading scripture before praying, before eating, um, yeah. which that was encouraging for us. Um, and I think that's kind of what that point is. Hinting yeah. At. The article, he goes on to say showing hospitality to neighbors or to, you know, invited guests or friends during the time that you regularly do that. Like, that's when he says, you know, continue to do that. Even even say what you just said, like, hey, we do this on a regular basis. Yeah. 
do you mind if we do that, you know, with you, you know, as you're, as you're in our home, that kind of thing. So hospitality, worship kind of go hand in hand, I guess. Yeah. I, uh, in I that case. gave a shout out to Jared Kennedy a few minutes ago. Uh, shout out to Nancy Piercy, um, as well as Rosaria Butterfield. Um, both of these are women Christian writers um, who write a lot about hospitality. Uh, Nancy Piercy writes a lot about apologetics. Um, both of them sort of agree and have taught me the best place to do family worship, right? The best place uh, to, you know, train your children and the truths of Scripture is the dinner table, right? Uh, there's something about, and you can testify to this as well, there's something about gathering around food, right? Sharing a meal together. Um, that's just personal. It's inviting. It's hospitable. Um, and for families, it's an awesome place just to talk about God, um, talk about Scripture, talk about what's going on in each other's lives, pray for each other. Um, it's just awesome. Yeah. Good job. So those are the five. That's the five, I guess, habits of a worshiping family, five practices or, or, or a guide to benefits. Things. Yeah. Yeah. Benefits to being a worshiping family. I think if you do it, even if it's not regular, right, you just try to do it the first time. If you don't do it regularly now, the first time your family does it, it's going to be awkward. It's going to be weird. Yeah. Uh, but if there are husbands listening to this, you lead your family uh, to Jesus. Um, and so make time in your day, it could even be at the dinner table, right? And, you yeah. know, as you're eating or as you're finishing eating, say, Hey, let's stop. Let's look at a passage. Let's read a verse. You know, we, we use the little pilgrims progress right now to kind of lead into those conversations. We don't sing, uh, like we probably should, but you know, that's kind of what we do. So. Yeah. And whether you're walking through a book like little pilgrims progress or, uh, more than a story, um, there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. They're really good Bible story books. Uh, there are a few other ones. Uh, Kevin DeYoung just came out with a great Bible story book. The biggest Bible story yes. book ever. There are so many great resources um, for kind of walking through Scripture as a family. Yeah. Um, so let's do this. Look how, for resources. Yeah. How do we get start, started? Um, so families that are listening in our local church context, maybe you're listening. Uh, hi, Mom. <laughs> and, and you're like, hey, how do we get started? I think the big thing is, you know, resources is good, but we all have a Bible in our home, right? Amen. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, just start with Genesis or start with a gospel uh, and begin to read through it. Kids are going to naturally have questions as you go to passages. Now, parents often get asked questions that are random and deep for a kid. Like, um, were there dinosaurs on Noah's Ark? Yeah, and you're not going to have the answers, right? <laughs> you're not going to have any of the answers for, for these things. Yeah. But that's when you say, hey, let's keep reading, right? Let's pray. Let's let's keep, you know, worshiping and things like that. Um, but there are tons of resources that uh, are provided. We'll put some in the link yep. um, for those questions and things like that. So the big thing is just get started. Just do it, yeah. right? Um, there was a really cool quote from a pastor the other day that said, if you're not wrestling, um, you're not reading. I think I heard it was a really cool pastor that I heard that from. Oh, uh, that was you. <laughs> it was it was me, but I, I, I'm not cool. But I don't know where I heard something along those lines. But I use, I guess, a paraphrase of it. I said, if in in the context of Romans, right, we're going through the book of Romans. We're hitting chapter eight. We're hitting chapter nine. You're preaching this Sunday, mm. chapter nine, verses fourteen through eighteen. Correct. The doctrine of election or beginning the beginning pieces of the doctrine of election. <laughs> it's going to lead into chapter 10 as well. Even 11. Um, 
but the the if you're not wrestling with the things of the faith of the Christian faith, uh, you're not reading enough scripture, right? You, the the person that just says, "Yep, yeah, it's all about Jesus," and that's that's where they stop. Paul's kind of mentions those folks too, like, "Hey, you're 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 still on milk, right? You should be on steak at this point, right? You should be mm-hmm. digging deeper. You should be growing in your faith." Um, yes, Jesus, it's all about Jesus, but He wants you to grow, right? Yeah. Uh, the whole the the will of God is that we be conformed to the image of his son, Romans 8. Um, so dig deeper, read, 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 read. Your kids, kids that see their parents read the Bible will read the Bible when they become adults. But kids that don't see their parents read the Bible, that don't see their parents praying, don't see their parents worshiping, they're not going to grow up to do the same. They're going to do their own thing. So it's highly important that parents disciple and lead their children uh, to Jesus. And now it's time for your favorite part. Words of wisdom. Wait, my favorite part or the listener's favorite part? Ooh, I think it's both. I think it's both. Eh, yeah, probably. We should probably vote. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's both. All right. What's your, you, you can go first because you've been gone. Since you've been gone, no words of wisdom have been very good. But what are your words of wisdom today, Noah? All right. Here they are. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Buy a copy of The Valley of Vision. It's a book of Puritan nice. prayer. Um, it's really helpful just to read through, to pray through. Um, it's rich in theology. Um, grab a copy, pray through it. Yeah, it's pretty cheap online. Yeah, you can get a paper copy or the expensive leather copy. <laughs> uh, my words of wisdom are going to fall in line. It's kind of the same thing. Read Dead Guys, right? Nice. Read the Puritans. Read the old theologians. Read the old pastors um, of our Christian faith. It will do you good to read uh, the guys that have gone before us. Right on. Hey. Love God, love people, and make Make disciples. disciples.